Hey Medina East family, Tommy here. Welcome to our online weekend experience. This weekend, we invite you to sit in on a roundtable discussion talking about how the life of Christ in us works itself out so that during this unprecedented time, God is highlighted through each of us. I'm excited for this conversation. Also, stick around after the conversation for a time of musical worship as we sing to and celebrate who God is and refocus back onto him as Lord. Before we jump into our roundtable conversation, I wanted to give some important updates and announcements. For all updates for our campus, check out medinaeast.gracechurches.org and click on the View Programming Updates here tab. There, you will find Power Kids updates, student ministries, social media links, a Spotify playlist of songs to listen to throughout the week, and other helpful resources. Uh, click on the link in this description to check out those resources as well. You will also find access to online giving. Giving is a way that those who follow Jesus worship as also express in faith God's providence and his faithfulness to us in uncertain times. If you're a parent of a Power Kids student, check out their Facebook and Instagram, as well as other Power Kids resources that will allow you to learn about God together as a family. You can find the links to connect in the description on this page. Students in high school and middle school, do not miss what is happening on social media. Specifically, Dan Miller has launched a YouTube channel for students to stay connected. Yes, Dan Miller and YouTube were the words I just used. If you know Dan, or even if you don't, or if you ever want to experience um, what happens in student ministries, check out this page. It's fun, encouraging, and a great way for students not only to stay connected, but interact and grow together in their understanding of Jesus. If you or your family have urgent needs, call the church. Uh, the number is 330-239-2600. Uh, for non-urgent needs, we encourage you to fill out the Connect card on our website or the app. And as always, use the Connect card for any comments or prayer requests. Although we may not be meeting in person, um, that does not mean the church is canceled. Uh, the church is the people. So we will still come together to be the people of God so that we can live out our faith in every setting by being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and world. We love you guys. Miss seeing you this weekend in person. But know God is working through us in this time. So be wise, be safe, and go to God in prayer, faith, and love. Um, hope you enjoy the experience, you guys. Love y'all. Well, hey, everybody, and uh, welcome to our online uh, weekend experience here this weekend at Grace. And uh, I, uh, I know we miss being with you in person for sure, uh, but excited that we're able to gather this way uh, through technology and kind of able to do that. So hopefully... You're watching this with your family in your living room or maybe with some other people in uh, a smaller setting uh, together, but glad for us to kind of gather together in this setting. And so uh, I have with me uh, Pastor Seth, uh, and then I also have Steve Van Meter, who I asked to join me here today as we kind of jump into uh, into our conversation here today. So thank you guys for being with me. I appreciate yeah. you doing that. Yeah. And because, because you guys are, are here, I actually get you small gift uh, for, for taking the time. So there you go. Well, that's I figured. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of in, kind of in high demand so, right now. So I thought, I, I don't know what to do with that. Oh yeah, you do. No, I just, <laughs> actually, I do know what to so, do. so yeah, but uh, hopefully you are well stocked at home. And if you're not uh, reach out, you know, we'd love to, to help mm. out in any way that we can for sure. Uh, but we want to do actually something sort of unique today and something that's kind of unique really to and specific to this, the situation that we're in right now. So I think all of us know, man, we are we are just in a really unique moment. Um, you know, as a culture, we're in a unique moment really historically. Yeah. I think what we're experiencing right now is going to be one of those things that we all look back at, you know, probably for the rest of our lives, quite honestly. And we're just like, hey, remember, what were you doing back during mm -hmm. the coronavirus mm -hmm. outbreak and with schools being you know, postponed and with a lot of people working remotely or, or being on reprieve from work for a period of time with yeah. restaurants being closed. It's just, it really is a, it's a unique and <laughs> unique true. time. And um, I know one of the things I keep hearing from people is they're just saying, man, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. This I, is, this I told my 14 year old daughter the other day that when she's 80, she's yeah. gonna be the grandma in the chair talking yeah. with her grandkids. 
remember back in 2020. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. I think you're right. It's it's a defining moment in a lot of ways, yeah. and I think because we recognize it's like it's going to be a defining moment historically, mm-hmm. that it really is a unique moment for the church, yeah. and it may be a defining moment yeah. for us too. Yeah. And so we just want to take some time and kind of talk about that, really, with with all of us as a church. Is what does that kind of look like? What does it look like for us to highlight God during this time? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I know we've been talking a lot about uh, a series that we did. If you've been part of the Medina East Campus, you might remember, called Highlight God Through You. We went through the book of First Peter. That was back in the fall. And I think in a lot of ways we said, man, we really felt like that was the Holy Spirit preparing us for moments like this, for a time like this. Sure. Yep. And in that series, we said that, you know, one of Peter's, the central message of that book is that Peter really talks about how Christians should live like highlighters. And, uh, and we used kind of the, the silly analogy of a highlighter. And we said that, you know, highlighters are uh, designed not to draw attention to themselves, but to draw attention through themselves so that, so that people can see what's kind of within them or behind them. And we said that, that really uh, it, that Christians should live as people who stand out in the world that they live in, not just to draw attention to themselves, but through themselves so that people can see God within them. Yeah. And so really we're talking about that, like what does it look like for Christ followers to respond as highlighters yeah. in the midst of a situation like this. And so the question really is, how do followers of Jesus respond right now? And I know as we were kind of bantering around, we said there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways that we immediately tend to respond in situations mm-hmm. like this, right? So one that we talked about was we said that some of us might be tempted to kind of isolate, right? That's kind of our, our default. And what and I think all, all of us are sort of forced into isolation a little bit right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, to some extent, yeah. <laughs> to some extent. Quarantine seems to be the hot word of 2020. Yeah. 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 So I think for some of us, maybe it's that isolate. Maybe for some, honestly, our default is to, to kind of get a little panicky. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's to kind of resort to kind of some fear and to say, you know, we need to isolate. We need to uh, stock up on supplies and, uh, and need to kind of hunker down for this season. I think that's a natural proclivity, maybe for, for some of us, maybe for some of you is that way. So isolate. The other one we talked about was maybe some of us might be tempted to underrate like what's mm-hmm. happening. And mm-hmm. that's good. I think what we mean by that is like to be, to be kind of like cynical about the whole thing, to be like, this is a bit, everyone's overreacting. It's not that big of a deal. And, you know, and to kind of, kind of look, view it that way. I think for some, maybe it's to retaliate, you know, and, and maybe for some of us, our natural response is no one's going to tell me what to do. And I'm just going to do, you know, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to do it my own way or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're trying to say and what we're trying to talk about is not just, you know, not just uh, uh, isolate, not underrate, not retaliate, but how do followers, followers of Jesus illuminate, right? How do we live like highlighters kind of in this? So awesome. I know for the sake of our conversation, what we wanted to do is we just wanted to talk about really three kind of simple ways uh, that we think are biblical and practical as far as how do we live like highlighters uh, during a season like this. Right now in this time, how do we live as highlighters? So I thought maybe we could talk about these three things together with kind of in a conversational format. And I know that uh, one of the things Steve is going to do for us is he's actually going to set a timer uh, on each one of these. We're going to do three. (laughs) We have a tendency, some of us, maybe more than others, uh, we have a tendency of being (laughs) long-winded. So we want to be respectful of that. We also want to give you some opportunities to pause and have discussion as well. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to set a timer and maybe spend 10 minutes on each of these and just talk biblically and practically. So let's just jump in here. So here's the first statement we kind of talked about was we said, we want to live like highlighters. Number one, we do that by living as people of faith and not by living as people of fear. Yeah. Right? I love that statement. So let's just talk about it for a minute. <clears throat> Let me just ask you guys, biblically speaking, where do we get this idea and how does that take shape in our current situation that we find ourselves in? So, Seth, you want to start on that one a little yeah, bit? Yeah, the long-winded one. Timer started. Yeah, so. timer. Yeah, start the timer. <laughs> timer and, uh, it'll yeah. ding far, far sooner than I expected. <laughs> we'll, we'll do yeah. seven minutes now and yeah. then... Yeah, yeah. Three minutes. It's only because I really care. So, yeah. (laughs) But uh, it's a great question. So, where do we get this idea, biblically speaking, being a people of uh, faith, not a people of fear? I think for me, um, sort of when you talk about an environment of fear, insecurity, or anxiety about the future, the first place my mind goes to in scripture is 2 Timothy 1 7. Mm -hmm. So, that's uh, actually uh, for a lot of people, if you were to Google Bible verses about fear, this is probably the one that would maybe show up first in your search. So it's this classic verse where Paul is telling his ministry protege, Timothy. He says that God has given us not a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love. And some translations have a sound mind or self-control or something of that nature. 
And so I'm thinking about this, right? And this is this is kind of like a the coffee cup verse. It's the one that you're supposed to go sure, to. Like, sure. let's get positive about this, mm. right? We haven't been given a spirit of fear. Mm. And so what you, what was interesting is I was diving into this a little bit more, kind of in thinking and processing through how to respond to to this question and having that scripture verse be the first one that pops in my head. I was looking back in the original language, and I'll try not to be you know too long winded about this. And so you would think that uh, if we haven't been given a spirit of fear that the English word fear there would reflect a Greek word phobia, like phobia, right? So if you think about, uh, that even translates into our English, right? So if you have xenophobia, you have a fear phobia of the stranger. If you have arachnophobia, you have a fear of spiders, etc. So Mm -hmm. you'd expect this this word to be like, God hasn't given us a spirit of phobia, or a spirit of phobia, right? And what's, so phobia is a little bit like anxiety about the unknown, and it's very personalized, and it's very self-centered. But actually, what lies behind this word fear here, that's translated fear in our English, I found it fascinating. It is a word that is only used here in the entire Bible. It's, it's the Greek word delia. Now, you can forget that, but this word actually has like a metaphor that's attached to it. So uh, delia actually has kind of like its battle terminology. So in other words, if you are in a war and if you're in a particular skirmish or conflict or battle, and when the battle starts to heat up, right, so there's the real possibility that you could lose your life in this battle, uh, Delia is, uh, would be a reference to the person that cuts and runs. They bail. Right. So that, that's why in some English translations of this verse, it says God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. It actually is the word that refers to cowardice in the battle. That's interesting. And I, I found that I found that interesting personally, yeah. but then it the reason I found it interesting is because it, it, it drew me back again. And as simple as this is, uh, I forget it so often, and I think we we all tend to do, um, is that throughout Scripture, like the Bible assumes the supernatural nature mm. of our conflict. Mm. Right? And right. I forget that sometimes. I can think that fear is all about the things that are happening in the natural. The fear is about coronavirus, me getting coronavirus and having to deal with all the complexities that come from that. But really, I think what Paul is uh, pointing Timothy, and by virtue of us reading it, he's pointing us as Christ followers back to, is that don't forget the supernatural nature of this conflict. Uh, Paul says this elsewhere, like in Ephesians 6, right? Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, right. not merely against that. It, that part exists, but our real struggle is against rulers, authorities, and heavenly places, this other mm-hmm. dimension of reality, the supernatural spiritual realm that is the backdrop of everything that we encounter in the natural. Yeah. So Paul says this in a number of places, but it's more often assumed than not. And so I thought, wow, that, that's, uh, it's helpful to realize that while we have a physical virus that could be harmful and deadly, what lies underneath that is a far more potent spiritual virus, right, of sin, of death, that we're waging war against as followers of Jesus. And as we wage war against that in the spirit, it will enflesh itself, like it'll work itself out in the things that we do in the natural to love our neighbors, to kind of rally around people in this difficult season. So we haven't been given a spirit of cowardice to to cut and run in the battle. I so that, that was that's really fascinating. So what you're saying is when he's talking about in that passage about God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. I like I like how you said that that it's this this idea of a picture of a battle, yeah, right? right? And so it's like for those who follow Christ, we've been not given a spirit in which we retal which we um uh, what's the word I'm looking for where we retreat, react or retreat, or yeah, where we right. uh, like you said cut and run, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And so where we don't uh, check out or tune out. Mm-hmm. But okay, so the question I like guess we go all then, in instead. Yeah. So what is going all? What is the alternative then? Like if if we don't have a spirit of fear, yeah. what is the spirit that God has called us to? Yeah, know? I think that's exactly what you get in the second half of the verse, right? So we haven't been given a spirit of timidity. So our life is not characterized by running away from hard things, from running away from the supernatural nature of the conflict. Uh, but we have been given a spirit, he says, of power, of love, and self-control. Yeah. Right. So um, actually, most commentators think that when you look at this part of the verse, when he says we've been given a spirit, that you should probably put a capital S on there because mm-hmm. it's a reference to the Holy, the Holy Spirit that yeah. is given to followers of Jesus yeah. so that they can actually engage the battle and do it mm-hmm. well and engage the battle in those three ways. Power, let's just simplify it. Power is the ability that a person has that when they act, they actually make a difference in the situation. They make an impact. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit is the one that uh, allows us and affords us the opportunity that when we act, it will make a difference and it will glorify God in that. We've been given power and also love, which is this idea of 
self-sacrifice, right? So um, it is sacrificing one's needs, preferences, and desires for the benefit of another and doing that intentionally so. You see that all over the place in the Bible, especially with Jesus, right? He's the lead on that one. He's the example. But that same spirit that motivated Jesus to do those things is placed in followers of Jesus so that we have the ability, the power to make a difference, that we can do that sacrificially. And then I love this last one. Uh, Again, it's translated in English as self-control. The word behind it actually includes, we've been given the spirit of wise thinking. So it's this ability to look at anything that's in front of you, be able to almost like close your eyes and in concert with the spirit, be able to dream about the good and flourishing thing that God wants to do and how you can respond to that situation-specific event in a way that will promote that good in the long run. So I hope that makes sense, but it's almost like this idea of like thinking about a well-ordered building and then looking at what you have at your disposal, the resources, and being able to know exactly how to situate that particular resource so that eventually the whole building grows up. So the Holy Spirit gives us that ability to do that as Christ followers as we act. Wow, yeah. Wow, that's really good. So is that ten minutes there? That was yeah. that was seven minutes. I left room, <laughs> I left room for. So we, we got a pre alarm. Well, good. that's good yeah. though, because I yeah. wanted to ask a question on yeah. that since we have a little bit of time. Yep. So you talked about that idea of um, of power being like that idea of making a difference for your act. Yep. Love, uh, obviously, acting in a way that you're not thinking about yourself, but you're thinking about others. And then that idea of wise thinking. It sounds like uh, maybe what you're talking about there is. Correct me if you're wrong about this, but it basically is we've given we've been given a uh, uh, we've been given a spirit that propels us to action, right. to actually doing real things in real time, yep. to love people, mm-hmm. right, to to actively love people, but also like in wisdom is that's kind of the idea of getting a vision that yes. you're lo- the way that you're looking at the world. Yeah, that's a great. Is way that to you're looking it. at it with opportunities to love, mm-hmm. and yeah, so rather good. than retreating, right. Mm-hmm. Rather than looking at it as like, how how can I get myself out of this? Yes, it's how can I work out love within this? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's how, how can I how can I dive into this? And I think, obviously, if the spirit that we're been, we've been given is um, contributes to this wise thinking or this self control, as it's in some translations, like it's that spirit that I think in First Corinthians two that. Uh, Paul talks about how that's the same spirit that we've been given as followers of Jesus so that we can know the mind of God. Mm. So we can actually know what God wants to produce in this situation uh, where we're at here in our day in 21st century Medina. Like we can actually know that because we've been given that kind of wisdom by God's spirit. So I just find that incredibly encouraging that this is more, this is so much more than just a physical battle against a virus. This is, uh, this is a war against the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This is a war against death. Just like and any Jesus other time. Jesus' church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, Jesus. just like any other time. It's the same. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and again, like I said, I, it's so simple sometimes, but I miss it so often yeah. when I'm thinking through these situations, when I'm tempted to, to be anxious or just look at the natural, yeah. when um, yeah. Christ is calling me by his spirit to look at the supernatural in everything. That's right. And I think that's what it means to live as people of faith. That's so right. good. Well, um, yeah. let's, let's talk a little practicality here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So practically speaking, um, what could we say to a person, uh, maybe some of you, or maybe some people you're talking to who are experiencing a lot of anxiety and fear right mm-hmm. now? So we're saying God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Okay. Well, what if I feel fear? Like is, what am I, what am I supposed to do about that? Because that's a real thing. So I guess let's just talk practically. Yeah. And so, Steve, you want to, I don't know, you want to take, yeah, take, take sure. the lead on that one a little And bit? I think it's timely what you guys are saying, too, because, you know, our governor and everyone, they're saying um, this is like, think of it as a war mentality. And so mm, that yeah. whole uh, imagery you guys brought up, uh, real real interesting in this time, too, oh, that's um, that really that Peter brought up. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I would just, the, the response that I, I keep keep going back to, and it seems simple, but my goodness, we just need to keep going back to this. And it's really this thought throughout First uh, Peter and James. And so First uh, Peter says uh, in First Peter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at uh, the fire of trial when it comes upon you to test you. And I'm like, okay, so uh, this seems like a trial. <laughs> and so um, don't be surprised um, that yeah. this trial is happening, that any other trials in our life yeah. um, will be happening. Um, and then go over to James here. Um, it's just, I want to read, I just want to read this whole letter, but, um, uh, James, uh, says like, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, yeah. 
Okay, whoa, count it as joy. Okay, yeah. uh, that's crazy. It seems crazy. so strange because it's counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's super practical, right? Okay, uh, maybe. <laughs> like, how do we do that? But um, then it says, for you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Yeah. So let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously perfect. to all right. without yeah. reproach. So I would imagine, um, uh, okay, so... Uh, we we do have fear at times. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think um, uh, we're saying like don't have fear at all. No, uh, no. But just what do we do with that fear, right. right? And so I think a lot of times when we have fear or when we um, tend to coward away uh, or something, um, maybe it's a it's a lack of wisdom. It's like sure. uh, God, what do I? I don't know what to do yeah. other than yeah. flee or or fight or some, yeah. some other language to add to what you're saying. Yeah. And so I think it's pretty clear um, that what we should do is ask, is ask for wisdom and yeah. through prayer. Yeah. And we say this all the time anyways, like, how can we have prayer as a first response, yeah. not a last resort? Yeah. And so, that's awesome. yeah. I think that's super strong, Steve. And I, I, I know you said it sounds simple, but it really is <laughs> truly like the best thing you can do yeah. is to ask God for wisdom is yeah. to help you. And yeah. it actually reminded me a little bit of you know, another passage that we talk about is like Philippians 4, 8. Mm. And to be anxious for nothing, but in all things in prayer, like yeah. you get that same idea. Awesome. But then he goes on, and I think just it kind of dovetails to what you're talking about. I think another point of practicality is if you're facing fear, you know people that's facing fear, is I, I would just really encourage you in that to be very deliberate about what you're filling your mind with. You mm-hmm. know, and Philippians 4 talks about that same idea of think about these things which are praiseworthy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a big deal. And not just things that are positive, right? But things that are biblical and are praiseworthy. And I think with the media and with some of the some of the stuff that you see on social media and out there, it's all geared towards panic. It's all geared sure. towards um, a- anxiety-ridden, not faith-driven, mm-hmm. but fear-driven things. And so I think at this time, there is practicality in praying, but also saying, man, listen to the voice of your Father in mm-hmm. heaven and connect with Him and... Yeah. Spend as much time filling your, your, your more time, filling your ears and your heart yes. with what your father says. Obviously, stay in tune with the media. Mm-hmm. We need to be up to date on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we have to be careful about what our thought life looks yeah. like in times sure. like this. Yeah, for sure. that's awesome. I think the only thing I would add to that, so obviously praiseworthy thoughts and prayer, those are great things to lead with. You mentioned James. Uh, mm-hmm. James has a lot to say about how faith is not just um, an intellectual exercise. It's not just yeah. about our thoughts, though Paul says it very much is. That uh, James says our faith, when it's real, has legs. It works itself out. Mm-hmm. And so I'd even just say practically what that looks like to be a people of faith in this time is to do whatever we can to reach out to others and, and continue to make connections For sure. through whatever so, yeah. avenues that we have at our disposal. Which are I was a lot. Thinking, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was thinking about this the other day that we are the most connected generation yeah. in human history. Yeah. But we're not. <laughs> but, but we're, we're not, are, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not even just that we have the most access to people and information. We have the widest diversity of ways that we can access people mm-hmm. and information. So I would just say that uh, for us as people of faith, what does it look like to exercise that faith? It's just to leverage what we already have in front of us to help us keep connected. So that includes things like social media. Yeah. It does. Um, we can redeem social media. You mm-hmm. said there's a lot of fear mongering out there yeah. on social media, but we can actually redeem that. Mm-hmm. Um, we can leverage social media, text. Texts are good. Those things are good. But maybe even in this season, a phone call's better. And maybe even some of these free video conferencing resources and apps and software yeah, that we have access to, maybe right. that's best in yeah. this season. So um, I just I thought about this too. We are super resourceful as people with the things that we actually care about. We are super resourceful. Yeah. Like I was thinking yeah. about this. We went, uh, my wife that's and I so we went to Target last Friday. And uh, the TP is gone. The toilet paper is gone. <laughs> I just gave you something. Yeah, well, thank you very much for that gift. Yeah, Thanks be to God for this inexpressible <laughs> gift. Um, and so... I was walking down the aisle, like, oh, yeah, what am I going to do? And I saw paper towels. And then I recalled this meme, like, on yeah. Facebook, where somebody said, take a hatchet to paper towels right down the middle. Get resourceful. And I I'm saw like, one. I was like, you're okay. welcome. <laughs> it's just a meme. Yeah, yeah. just a meme with that. But, yeah, but nevertheless, so I bought a big pack of paper towels, you know? So... Uh, Too much the, information. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the point Clever. is, the point is, we get resourceful when we really care about yeah. something. All the more that if we could just apply that same resourcefulness to the to the things that matter, mm-hmm. to uh, continuing to invest in the relationships with other followers of Jesus, 
and making whatever effort we can with the resources that are at our disposal to connect with those who need the hope of Jesus right. in this yeah. time to combat that fear so they don't cut and run in the conflict. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, super strong. Yeah. Appreciate those thoughts. Yep. Time's sake, I want to move on to this, yep. this second thing. So uh, we talk about living as highlighters. So the first thing we said is, man, we live as people of faith, not as people of fear. That's how we live like highlighters right Absolutely. now. Some great thoughts there. Um, here's the, the second statement that we want to kind of banter around a little bit. And that's this, is that we want to be people that pursue relationships. And so uh, right now in this time, we are pausing programming as a church, but we are pursuing relationships, right? And so I think that's a really important statement of what it looks like to live as highlighters and to allow God to be seen through us. So, um, so here's a question for us to think about. So some people might be thinking, oh man, you know, with all this, church is canceled, you know, for the next <laughs> couple of weeks. Everything's canceled. Church is canceled. So, all right, let's talk about that for a minute. Cancel right, culture, let's, right? Let's, like, let's, talk, let's talk about, for a moment, I think it's actually helpful. Let's it just is. talk about the church for a minute, right. okay? Right. So how does our current situation reinforce uh, what God has intended and what God has created in the church? And so, Steve, I don't know, maybe you got some thoughts on that. Yeah, that would be uh, helpful. I'll set a timer for myself, too. Okay, that'd be good, man. Um, that'd be good. I just love that we're having this conversation, uh, and... Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, to your point, like uh, not pursuing programming, but relationships. I think we try to do that anyways, you know, um, but it just so happens that programming helps relationships at times. But in this time, right, let's think about the church. So I was just thinking, okay, let's let's define it maybe real quick, right? Um, like, for example, we call this building, we're in the building of Grace Church. Actually, we, but then we call it a campus. Um, so what is it, Tony? Is this a church or a campus? It's a, it's a church campus. <laughs> it's a church campus. <laughs> it's, your, right. it's your place of previous employment. <laughs> That's fair. So I can I do this. Is <laughs> that the fourth time you've been fired already this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that next. Um, so is, is the church a building? Is it a, a religious not-for-profit status? Is it um, a social club, a meeting place? Like, what is it, right? And I think often in the scriptures, uh, you know, we don't have to get into all the Greek, but, you know, you see the Greek word of ecclesia, yeah, right? right? And so um, in, in most cases, that's e- an important even, word. It that is an important word. Really is. It yeah. is an important word. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually see that even in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. And so it's most mostly referring to the assembly of God's people to um, ecclesia is really just essentially the called out ones. And so who are these people it, it, in Right there is the, the telling statement, people, right? Not a place. Not a place, right. not a thing, not, a, not an environment even, but uh, the people of God in assembly, okay? Mm-hmm. And so um, I just can't help but to go to First Peter uh, 2, verse 9 and 10, and it says, uh, Peter says this, that, but you are a chosen race, a, pr- a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may pro- proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, all right? Once you weren't the church, and once you weren't not a people, mm. but now you are God's people. Mm. This is the church, right? Yeah. Uh, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received uh, mercy. And so, wow, um, when we say uh, church is canceled, it, it's like saying uh, you're not the people of God anymore. <laughs> right? Right. It's almost like I think about, you think about a people, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm obviously, uh, we talk about I'm Italian. So you're like, I'm, an, I'm of Italian heritage. That's like part of my nationality, mm-hmm. right? But it's not like if the people in Italy were dispersed to a different country. They didn't cancel. They didn't cancel Italian. <laughs> you know, it's like they, they're just. That's they're good. Just, way yeah, I mean, if we're the, the people of God, yeah, um, it's not like you can't cancel yeah. the people of God, right? So, yeah. yeah, no, and, and I think that's just, um, you know, are we getting? Uh, weird about this? No, I don't think so. I think this is really a great time to consider that, to say, um, so then how will the people of God be the people of God if it's not in the space of a building because uh, we're respecting our, our, our governor and things like that? Um, and that, I, honestly, I get excited trying to think about that. How do we remain being the church, uh, being the people of God, um, in our homes, uh, in, in the spaces that we're um, going to be in in this moment. Let's yeah. figure that out. I think that's something cool you talked about there is because obviously God is in control of all of this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he has forced us to displace like this, I mean, there might be something in there that right. he's drawing us back to who he originally created us to be in some ways. And yeah. I just think what you said is good. 
I wanted to ask too. You know, you talked about how a lot of a lot of this, like the kind of this, um, for lack of a better term, this forced kind of separation Isolation, right now. We're not. Yeah. Gonna, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of that is because we are. We want to be respectful to our governor and to our government, and um, we want to. You know, we want to as much as we can be. Um, kind of collaborate in those ways. Yeah. So maybe we can just talk for a second about, so how does that all work, being the people of God, and as it relates to the way we interact with our government, like, hey, just just because the government said the church can't, you know, people shouldn't be together, yeah. why does that mean that, should we just acquiesce then and mm. just say, well, okay, I guess we'll just do whatever they say, and like, let's just talk about that for a second, because mm. I think that's another, maybe an important thought that some of us have is just because there's a ban on gathering, why is that going to keep the church from, you know, having meetings like we do and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think, uh, I think you even um, showed it in your mannerism just now of like how we can have a broad uh, reaction to that of like um, retaliation or, or or whatever, but, um, but let's go back to the scripture. Right. And so let's see uh, what God would have to say through his people in this way. Um, really, uh, it's back in First Peter. It's literally the next verse after what I was just saying. Um, so, First uh, Peter two, which is so crazy. First uh, Peter two eleven, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. It kind of goes back to what you were even saying. Uh, keep your conduct among the uh, Gentiles, which um, just uh, other people, um, honorable, uh, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Wow. Okay, it, it's a lot there. Um, but then he goes right into um, what, he, what he's saying. Man, I just want to talk about this for an hour. But, yeah, um, <laughs> but we don't have that time, right? We got 10 minutes. Uh, we got 10 minutes, yeah. Um, so I'll just keep going. Uh, verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake. Okay, that, that's a big yeah, part right so there. Important. For the Lord's sake, all right, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him, um, uh, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put silence to the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, I think Peter gets practical right there. It's like a list of practicality. Um, and so, what do we do? We live good lives. Okay. Um, well, how do we do that? Is is the question. But um, maybe it looks like, um, as he says, like uh, submitting to our governor. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And Part of what it means to live the good life. Uh, it, it, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what Peter's yep. saying. Right. And so um, I think. You know, we, we can go a lot of directions with that, we, and we're not going to talk about all that here. We can't, but um, you know, because uh, there could be a lot of debate of like, well, the government this, the government that. Okay, I get it, right? Uh, the church gets it. If, if you read the Old Testament, we see people not submitting to the government, mm-hmm. and I would say that is because in in those situations, it's if God's will is not being respected mm-hmm. in doing so. That's right. Okay, yeah, so I don't see anything um, not respecting my time, uh, <laughs> uh, not respecting uh, the government's wishes and, and not meeting. There's wisdom well, there. I would say even more in this situation, the government is not at all um, prohibiting something that would be the will of God. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of ways, they're trying to be helpful That's and right. loving. Yeah. And so for, right. to, mm-hmm. care for people. to care for people. Yeah. So, so how we can illuminate that yeah. and to use That's the right. language of reason, right? That's good. And then um, I just got to keep at this part right here. It says live free, live as free people, but don't use your freedom in a a negative way. And so not to get into into this, but um, as I have been on social media a little more than I'd like to be, I've seen uh, uh, people use their freedom in in different ways that may be negative. And I would just say, uh, going back to this, live such good lives that uh, people see Christ through you, to see Jesus through you, to go mm-hmm. back to that, yeah. to that language. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's awesome. I think you, you see that in first Peter too. Um, if people are looking for more places in the new Testament that corroborate or reiterate these ideas, you can find that in Romans 13. Yeah, so Peter and Paul right. are in agreement on this. They may not have been in Galatians, what we talked about right. in the, what, right. what's the difference, uh, what's the difference series. So there may have been conflict there, but they're unanimous on this idea of submitting to governing authorities. And so as, as I just think about this, 
Uh, personally, for me, and some may share this with me, I don't necessarily like that. Mm. I don't like that teaching of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I may have a drastically different opinion or a knee-jerk reaction right. to First Peter 2 You're and American. Romans 13. <laughs> because I'm American, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And which is why, like, live as free people, but then Peter defining what yeah. it means to be free. Like, sure. don't just use that for self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. is really important for me as an American. But uh, I think we might have differing opinions. We might have knee-jerk reactions that want to resist this. But the point is just, if, we're, if you're a Christ follower, you're called to this. Yeah, that's right. And so to partner with our government and to honor their and respect some of their decrees, quote-unquote, if you will, in a situation like this, I actually think what the Scripture is trying to say is, like, this is a step of faith. Mm. This is not about placing your faith completely in the government. It's about putting your, your yeah. whole life in the trust of God yeah. because he's, yeah. the ones, he's the one that has installed these rulers. For the Lord's sake. It, for the Lord, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and again, so there's, there's a lot of good stuff there. And, yeah. and I think what you, what you guys said is good too because we might ask the question, like if you look in places like Acts 5, well, Peter and some of the other disciples, That's right. they actually say, no, no, they no, no we're no. not going to yeah. do what you told us to do. That's right. Because, and he, uh, to quote him, he says, we must obey God That's right. rather than men. So you're like, what's the difference there? Mm -hmm. But if you look at that context, again, it's exactly what you're saying. If the gospel message about Jesus's lordship and rule and reign is is being prohibited Mm -hmm. or is being hindered from going out through the church, through God's people, then there is kind of like an acceptable civil disobedience that Christ followers can engage. But I like in a case like this with coronavirus and what the government is trying to do, there's no, I, you just don't see any sort of yeah. um, push to keep the gospel no. from getting into people's homes and in people's hearts. Yeah. You know, so in that respect, I think we just like, yep, this is a Romans 13, a yeah. first Peter two scenario. Here, I, love, so, yeah. I love that. That's an I act of faith. And it's making it's us more creative. Yeah. So it's just fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fun. That's, yep. that's of God to yep. do that. So that's right. I, some great thoughts, a lot of things to talk about on that topic. This actually might be a good place for me to encourage you because you probably have some time. If you get a chance, maybe uh, check out uh, in the First Peter series, the Highlight God Through Us. Check out the whole thing. There is a week we talk about submission too, about highlighting God through our submission mm-hmm. and a lot of these things. You don't have to binge Netflix. You can binge so. our past podcast. <laughs> yeah. And maybe some Netflix too. So that's good. Oh, that's, good. Um, no, that's great stuff. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we just have a little pause in the conversation? Take, why don't you take about five minutes, uh, maybe with the people that are in uh, the room with you, whoever that might be. And process through a couple quick things to pray and discuss. And so here's the two the two items. Uh, why don't you do this? In light of our conversation about the church, make a list with the people in the room of five to ten people, maybe collectively together. Make a list of five to ten people that you know who are part of our church family uh, that you're connected with. And take some time right now just to pray for them by name. And I think that'd be just an awesome way for us to practice some of what we're talking about. And then maybe take a few minutes and just discuss together what are some ways creatively this week that you can intentionally reach out and connect with others. All right. So mm-hmm. maybe take some time, process that, discuss that, take about five minutes mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll meet you back here. All right. Well, thanks for doing that. You're probably wondering, by the way, why I'm sitting on this big couch by myself. And the, the answer is because I'm making space for you. And so that's, 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 that's awkward. All right. Wouldn't be Medina if it wasn't awkward. So why would you leave like that? Uh, but, uh, seriously, thanks for doing that, though. And hey, if you prayed for some people, why don't you take a moment, even uh, in the, you know, between now and whenever this is done or something, just text them. Mm-hmm. Let them know that you prayed for them and what you prayed for them. It's just another good way to stay connected. All right, so three ways that we can highlight God through us during this time. We talked about being people of faith, not being people of fear. We talked about this whole idea of pursuing relationships, right? Even though mm-hmm. uh, programming is paused or pursuing relationships. So here's the third thing we're talking about, and I love this one, is that we want to think in a paradigm of opportunity, mm-hmm. right? I like that. So we're not thinking in a paradigm of reaction. Right. We're not thinking in a, in a paradigm of panic, but we're right. thinking in of a paradigm of opportunity. I think yeah. it's really strong. So. Yeah, I think this is this is one of those where um, when I first heard, I think it was Pastor Jeff, yeah. Jeff Bogue, senior pastor at Grace Church, for yeah. those of you guys that don't know him. Um, I first heard him say this. I was like, in, instantaneously, like deep in my spirit, I was like, that's it. That's it. That's obviously that's it. it. And again, with yeah. some of the things that we've talked about before about the reality of the supernatural nature of our conflict and how that shows up, you know, in real time in physical, practical, like corporeal stuff that we encounter. It just, it it just clicked. And so I guess I would actually ask you a question. Um, so if we always want to start with the Bible, like you said a few minutes ago, um, maybe if we're thinking, if we're thinking about a paradigm of opportunity and how the church can be mobilized, 
how maybe biblically and historically have Christ followers responded to other crises in human history? So um, this is, we've said that this is unprecedented, which is true, yeah, true. but nevertheless, there have been other pandemics and other crises in mm-hmm. throughout the history of the church and even yeah. in the New Testament that the church has responded to. So maybe... Yeah. How, how, how has the church normally done that or yeah. typically done that in the past? It's such, such a good question and such an important question because I like what you said that, yes, this is an unprecedented time, mm-hmm. but it's not unfamiliar. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not to the Church of Jesus Christ. That's right. That's and, right. you know, you think about pandemics and epidemics throughout history, uh, the church is no stranger to those things. And, you know, I think um, when I think, I guess first I talk biblically. When I think biblically, a couple of the books of the Bible that come to my mind immediately and I know there's more than that, but the two that come to my mind immediately is one Old Testament, one New Testament. I think of Daniel, uh, and then I think of First Peter. Those two books come to my mm-hmm. mind, and um, and it's it's crazy because even though they're hundreds of years detached from each other, actually very similar. And um, they, the, what ties them together, in a lot of ways, is this language of living in exile. Mm-hmm. That idea of of living in exile. And if you're not familiar with that, mm-hmm. uh, basically uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel. God's people were exiled, right? They were mm-hmm. taken out of what was familiar, what was normal, what was predictable to them. And then they were scattered into the Babylonian kingdom in this, in this very kind of, you know, it's, it was a time of high anxiety. It was a time of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. It was a time where God's people, all their plans had kind of been washed down yeah. uh, the tubes and they had to readapt to this new situation. And yet what you see in the book of Daniel, I mean, persistently, is you watch the people of God Become bold in their faith, mm-hmm. and become uh, and become uh, they stand out in their goodness in this in this setting of turbulence and those type of things. And I, I love that. What I love about Daniel is it seems like there's really two big themes, at least in the first six chapters, mm-hmm. because after that it starts getting into end, some end time <laughs> stuff. Um, but in those first six chapters, you see one of the big themes is God's sovereignty, yeah. right, and just. Everything that's happening, God is the one that's in control. And then in, uh, in Daniel chapter 4, it talks about how the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to whoever he wishes. You know? mm-hmm. And it's just God is in control. Mm-hmm. And even though there's, you know, it's turbulent and things seem out of control, God is in control. And I think it's because of that sovereignty that God's people are enabled to live such bold so and courageous and good lives. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think Daniel saw that in the moment either. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, we see it because we can read the whole story. Right. But looking he, didn't, back. Yeah. he yeah. didn't know where it was going. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, that's, that's right. good. That's we have the right. benefit yeah. of looking backwards in history to see the yeah. outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't know when he was going into the lion's den, <laughs> yeah. how yeah, it's going to turn out. Right. right. But he knew God. He trusted but him. <laughs> he did. But that's the most amazing thing in Daniel is the sovereignty of God, but then just the courage of mm-hmm. God's people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's chapter after, if you've never read Daniel, you got to read it. It's just chapter after chapter of just unbelievable courage. All of the best Bible, the kids' Bible stories come from Daniel. <laughs> and that's really cool. But so I think of, I think of Daniel, and I think of First Peter, and First Peter straight up hijacks the language of exile. That's right. And even though their situation is different than what you read in the book of Daniel, yeah. like he uses that as a parallel to talk about, you know, they're in turbulent times. Yeah. They're facing hardship. It's uncertainty, mm-hmm. and there's persecution in the church uh, in First Peter, and yet Peter's going to kind of reiterate some of those same themes of being bold, of being good. Like that's mm-hmm. such a big one. Of, big. Like he's going to say in First Peter two, live such good lives, mm-hmm. you know, among the pagans or those who don't believe. Um, that eventually, what the result is that they would glorify God, yeah. and you're like, that's pretty awesome. That's and awesome. so, yeah. so I just I think that in both of those situations, you just see. That these moments of uncertainty, that these moments of anxiety, that these moments of when everything seems displaced, the people of God can really rise up and do good because God is with them and because God is in control Mm -hmm. and uh, because God can be glorified through them. You see that in the story of the early church. Like it just cycles through over and over. So in Acts, it's in Mm -hmm. Acts 11, there's a famine that's Mm -hmm. predicted by a prophet named Agabus. And uh, the famine was widespread. And I I love Acts 11, 29. The disciples gather around in light of this prophecy, and they say the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. It's, ah, a, it's, the, same, it's the same concept. Like They decided they determined to do that. So we see that in Scripture. What about in the history of the church, too? Because yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we talked about the church as not being something that's just contained within the pages of the New Testament. It goes on even to our day. 
What about some places in church throughout history that yeah. where, where the church has responded in Christ-like ways to do good and to, to live good lives in that way? Yeah, I think it's so good. I know we were talking about this before. Uh, we've been reading some different articles, and I know you're in a church history class that's been mm-hmm. pretty helpful in some of this stuff too. But, you know, pretty quickly, even after the close of the New Testament, you see the church uh, rising up in, in dark situations tend to be the situations where the church shines brightest. And so I know one of the ones we were talking about was in the third century. Mm-hmm. There was this, uh, this Cyprian plague, this, this thing. That had. Apparently this thing was awful. It was in Rome and it was nasty. You can read about it. You can look, up, look it up online and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess at its height, um, they, they had said that five, about 5,000 people died every day in the city of Rome alone mm-hmm. because of this thing. And what's so fascinating about that is that while this this terrible plague was really just devouring kind of the Roman Empire. Um, some of the, the early church writers, like a guy named Dionysus, he, he kind of wrote and he was actually talking about Christians and how everyone was leaving Rome like in <laughs> droves because of you know fear and panic and wanting to get away from this Cut thing. Cut and run, right? And, <laughs> yeah. Dude, exactly. Right. Cut and run. Uh, retreat. Mm-hmm. And yet the people of God said, no, we are going to not be given a spirit of fear, Mm -hmm. but we're going to act in love and we're going to see a paradigm of opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. And they jumped in and they served the needs of these people. And it's so fascinating as a result of that, this guy, Rodney Stark, I don't know if you guys ever read his book called The Rise of Christianity. He actually talks about how that moment became a catalyst for explosive amounts of conversion where people gave their hope and faith to Christ. And think that if we truly have the hope of the resurrection, mm-hmm. it's like that's going to empower and bold us to do things mm-hmm. that, that others haven't seen. And so that'd be one example. I think another real similar example we talked about, with, we don't have to go into much detail on that one, this one either, but is, you know, you think about the bubonic plague, the black plague in um, the mid 1500s, uh, Martin Luther. And mm-hmm. um, again, in Wittenberg, you know, the black plague hit and everyone was kind of leaving. They were retreating. But Martin Luther and a group of other Christians said, we're going to stay. We're going to run into this mess. We're going to mm-hmm. serve. We're going to love, and we're going to trust trust God through it and love our neighbor. And uh, again, as a result of that, I just think you see lives change. And so, yeah, I think we could go through more examples sure. like that. But uh, like we said, it seems like epidemics, pandemics, times of darkness are an opportunity, right. an opportunity for, sure. for the church to shine yeah, bright in, awesome. in those type of things. And I hear that the two common sort of themes that run through all of it is is trust in God, in yeah. his sovereignty, and courage yeah. to dive into the battle as his representatives, as his agents. So yeah. Yeah. diving into the battle, though, let's, let's get practical, yeah, right? let's get so practical. Mm-hmm. For us right now, in light of some of those examples that we can draw from and how we um, ought to maybe operate, um, practically speaking, what are the opportunities that we potentially have right now as a church in Medina in the 21st century mm-hmm. to get involved in light of some of the things that we're seeing in our day? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, you're both looking at me, so I'll, I'll throw something out. <laughs> yeah, ahead, that's my cue, everybody. Yeah, when we're talking about this, I, I just I can't help but to bring up Micah uh, six verse eight. We actually talked about this in our uh, Mexico Go team uh, meeting not too long ago, so this might be familiar to some of you. Um, I love it. I'll just read it here. It says. He has told you, oh man, what is good. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Like, he's told you what to do. All right. <laughs> I already so, told you. <laughs> go <laughs> on. <laughs> and, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Uh, I know they pose it as a question, but I just love reading it that way as like an, an endorsement of what God is doing for us. And so let's break that down um, uh, to do justice, okay? Um, well, uh, I love it, but like everyone's trying to figure that out right now. Um, our church, uh, for sure, too. And um, so, how can we do justice in this time? Um, I think I think we do it with uh, with courage, mm-hmm. not with fear, uh, but with uh, discernment um, and and respect for our government. So, um, thinking through that, we we have uh, you know we've set out a what we call Love Medina application awesome. that we're yeah, and it was just the simplest way we could think of to say. Um, because, you know, as I help with give it away stuff at our campus, getting a lot of requests like, hey, uh, this is happening, this is the need, how can we help? Um, well, okay, let, let's fill out this form. This form is representative of how we want to try to help our, our community and our people. And 
Um, you know, we said that we want to, you know, trying to be proactive in this. Uh, we're still trying to assess it, but we want to provide meals to students and families uh, in need that are taking extended time off of school that might uh, rely on those meals. Yes, in Medina, Ohio, um, people rely on those meals. Um, we want to provide groceries and uh, supplies to elderly and sick um, because the reality is that um, a lot of the uh, maybe elderly and sick are, aren't, aren't going to be able to have access to doing that. And so, yeah, those that are healthy and are able, we can step up yeah. and do that. We can provide that. And, and a lot of you have given to Five and Change already for this effort. And so uh, a thank you um, for that. We'll be able to use that money to provide um, those groceries, those supplies, those meals. And we'll be able to pump that money back into the economy by mm -hmm. um, supporting our local businesses. And so I think that all provides justice, right? And I've seen a lot of people step up with figuring out um, the other thing we talked about, which is opening up opportunities for, uh, for childcare. Um, there's a lot of people that still um, do have their jobs and have to work those jobs. And so what do we do with the, the kids that are home in this time? And so um, we, wanna, we wanna help support and open up those opportunities um, however we can with safe families, with other things that people are already getting mobilized mm -hmm. to do. So there's the justice piece. Yeah. Um, and as much as we're thinking through it now, um, love and kindness. So in all of that, how can we represent Jesus' love uh, uh, to our community in this time. Um, it's how we act on social media. It's how we act in relating to other people and connecting with other people. Doing like you said, like maybe we need to add a few more people to our pray for your three. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be just three, right? Mm -hmm. And then contact those three, love on them, um, show them that love and support. Reach out to family members that you didn't want to reach out to before. Uh, uh, things like this, right? Mm -hmm. Show that love and kindness in all of this have a spirit of humility toward our God, mm -hmm. walk, just walk that way. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, um, I don't have any other answers other than that. Just like, we'll, we'll just figure out how, how we can do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like how to, you're talking about those, you know, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. Mm -hmm. And I like how you, I think, I think in a lot of, a lot of folks, there's an eagerness to want to, to do something. There's an eagerness to want to help and yeah. to jump in those ways. And sometimes we can be a little confused in what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, we need to be wise in discerning what that looks like. Like first off in our own families and our own neighborhoods, right. right? And those type of things. Yeah. But I also really like you, you talked about this love Medina thing that we're doing and uh, the, the needs request. And mm -hmm. I guess just real fast without getting into all the details, sure. if someone wanted to get connected to something like mm -hmm. that, they access that on the website? Is that how yes. they? Yeah. So much with everything else in this current season, uh, the website's going to be the best place for a lot of updates, including this one. And so if you go to medinaeast.graceohio.org, um, you'll be able to, which you're probably there now because you're watching this video. So <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, but go to the homepage and go to the view, <laughs> go to the view updates. And then in there, um, you'll see a give it away section. And in there, you'll have uh, access to the form. And so whether you or somebody you know, uh, you can have that form filled out and we will, uh, we will take that application and, yeah. and um, mobilize our people, mobilize our life groups and others to uh, help foster and facilitate meeting those needs. Very cool. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, so, I, I love it too. I think when you're talking about the, that practical way, that is, that is super practical. And thanks for you know, bringing those things together because what we're looking at is, again, biblically based, right? You talked about James earlier. James says in James 127, religion mm -hmm. that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, mm -hmm. visit orphans yeah. and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So it's the yeah. marginalized, right? Who needs it the most? And for us to be able to rally around as a community of people following Jesus That's right. and the tangible opportunities to do that, I think is um, a response to Micah 6. It's a response to James 1. And I just think it's a response to Jesus. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned something too that I think we might normally miss is sort of the economic impact that yeah. this mm. is going to have. Um, yeah. So I would probably say this, as much as we feasibly can, um, as we're able to maybe consciously think about how we might be able to invest resources that we have back into industries that are closed and where workers are being laid off. Mm -hmm. So especially even restaurants. Now, listen, I, we want to be wise in this too. We want to operate in wisdom. So we don't just want to blow the bank account, yeah. you know, yeah. by yeah. eating out all the time. Eat doing Pastor takeout. Seth yeah. said, yeah. eat out. <laughs> Pastor Seth told me to eat out. Yeah, that's good. No, that's that's all good. it takes, man. Yes. <laughs> so we want to be wise in that too, but at the same time, so we want to know when to eat out and when not. But at the same time, um, you, you mentioned exile before. Um, uh, in a similar situation with the nation of Judah, nation of Israel, when they were in exile, Jeremiah the prophet is encouraging them in their exile. Like, what are you supposed to do when you're in this foreign Babylonian territory? 
What are you supposed to do? And he says, well, here's what you, here's what you can do. As uh, followers of God, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. I love this. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Now, that's not only economic, but that definitely includes an economic component in mm. that. So as much as we're able as followers of Jesus even to think economically so in Pastor these times. Seth, what you're saying is if we all buy on-tap gift cards now, <laughs> we can mow down some wings together <laughs> later on. I'm really glad you interpreted everything I said that way. Hey, <laughs> but yeah. it's just something that you just mentioned. And I thought it's, uh, it's just another way of thinking outside the box of how we can love our community and be mm-hmm. intentional about that. Yeah, I really like yeah. that, man. Yeah, yeah I think, I think as I was saying, it's super practical helping in those ways. I would even add to that, and again, I know we talked about this earlier, and I think that sometimes it's just worth saying again because it's so easy to dismiss it or view it as passive. But I think prayer is so big. Mm-hmm. And, it, and not to pray passively, but to pray actively, you know, and to pray uh, creatively, to think mm-hmm. of different ways to engage in prayer. Um, Praying with and for people right now, uh, reaching out to neighbors, coworkers, other people, hearing them, talking with them, praying with them. You know, we were even talking about, I know a lot of folks are probably like really eager to get out of the house, maybe even finding creative ways to prayer walk, to, pray, to prayer walk um, the city, to prayer walk your neighborhood mm-hmm. with your family, with, you know, be wise about it, obviously. Right. But, uh, but to get out and pray actively for, you know, when you pass by, you know, uh, the, you know, wherever, pray mm-hmm. for that organization, yes. pray for that thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and to do that in big ways, that's even things you could maybe hive off and do in your small groups and life right. groups and things like that. And then even, to, you know, I think when we talk about praying actively, the Lord's Prayer is obviously a big <laughs> thing, huge. you know, and, and uh, the pattern that we've been yeah. given in the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. I know you and I were talking about this earlier, Seth. You shared a quote with me. Uh, regarding the Lord's Prayer that I thought was really powerful yeah. and uh, I think you just so happen to have it on I just so happen to have it here in this uh, iPad in front of me. yeah it's <laughs> fantastic but I like what you said though the Lord's Prayer not as some magical thing that if you recite it something crazy weird is going to happen but as a posture as a, as a way to pray. Similar to Micah 6, right? This is what you should do. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. That's so, right. uh, you know, our Father. So he begins with relationship. He asks us first to pray his will. Yeah. And, then, and then later on in the prayer, he invites us to appeal to him for our needs. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's this reorienting, recentering in the Lord's Prayer that's really helpful. And that's really what this quote is all about. Um, this is from N.T. Wright, New Testament scholar. He says, when we pray the Lord's Prayer... We are recalling the events from his life and ministry. And in effect, we're declaring that we too want to be part of his mission, of Jesus's mission. It's awesome. Then he says, the focus begins to turn from our worries toward his work in the world. That's good. We are reoriented towards his will as the main view on our horizon. Right, it's your will be done. It is this, it's this reorientation. It's just this invitation for the spirit to give us a different mindset, mm. to focus on a different center of the universe. I know for me, right? Mm-hmm. So often I can be the center of my universe. The Lord's Prayer gives us this invitation to reorient to the truth and the reality that he is the center. He's in control. He's sovereign. And he's given me the courage to be able to respond to his mission yeah. in the world. And the Lord's Prayer can yeah. even do something like that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I think these are great thoughts, you guys. And I hope this is helpful to you guys, too, as you're kind of grabbing this. Um, and so I would just say, uh, I want to take a moment and pray with you, but then we also want to give you guys some space to maybe pray and process through some further conversation. And so uh, after I'm done praying, um, we'll actually have a couple of prompts here. Here's, here's the thing we want you to pray about together, is pray for those in our community who are impacted by, by this virus in its various forms. And then maybe even if you've been part of Grace for a while, pray for your three. Um, pray for the three people that you desperately want to see come to know Christ. And um, and take some time to do that together with your family or whoever you're with right now. And then maybe discuss this. You know, we're talking about practically um, how do you live out a paradigm of opportunity. Maybe you can think through what are some unique and creative ways that you could apply that creativity you were talking about to to help kind of being the the hands and feet of Jesus in this time and Mm -hmm. thinking about ways to do that. Okay, so uh, how about um, I'll just close us us in prayer together Mm -hmm. and then we'll let you guys do that. But uh, just want to encourage you again. Thanks so much for for being with us. We we, uh, look forward to being together again in the future uh, personally, but we're glad we can kind of connect this way. And, uh, and as we go out, we just you know, want to be wise. We want to be loving. 
and uh, want to do a lot of things that we're talking about. Want to be highlighters uh, for yeah. God in those things. So, so, so all right, why don't I pray for us, and then uh, we'll, we'll let you guys get to it. So, yeah, well, Jesus, we do just uh, want to come together as a church family right now, and we want to recognize that you are sovereign, and that you are God, and that you are Father, that you love us and you care for us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us really learn what it means to be a dangerous church for you uh, in times that are uncertain, in times uh, that, uh, that people are looking for answers and looking for hope. Jesus, the, we believe that you are the hope of the world, and we believe that you've given the church to be the vehicle by which you express that hope. And so would you help us, God? I pray for maybe those right now who are facing fear and anxiety as well. Help us to lean heavy on your word and just to, to, uh, to recognize, God, that, uh, that we can be people of faith and not people of fear. And Father, I, I pray also that you would help us to pursue relationships, to expend creativity and energy, and to knowing how to stay connected with your people. And God, help us to see you through a paradigm of opportunity, that we could uh, really view this as a unique way uh, to be connected uh, and to, uh, to express your love. So thanks for each person who's watching this. We pray blessing over each family, over each uh, man, woman, and child. And we just want to ask these things and pray in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank Amen. you, guys.